Welcome to Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Len. And we want to welcome back on this Thursday, Father David Mowry. Thanks for coming back. Happy to be back. I I, I came on a little strong yesterday. Uh, it's just that, you know, crosses are very important to me uh, professionally. So, yeah, I, uh, I had no idea. To, <laughs> I, I know that comes as a bit of a surprise. You know, people are often shocked to hear that from from a Catholic priest. So you know, oh, I, you're a priest. I thought you were just somebody's dad. I, didn't, I thought you're Robin's dad. What, what? Well, you know, every, everyone does call me father, so I, I do feel like dad sometimes. Well, this is minute ninety-four. Uh, it begins with confident cackling and ends with things getting batty. Oh no. All right, so we have Jerry cackling. <laughs> uh, How does he get his mouth that open? <laughs> Is he unhinging his jaw? Uh, I don't know. He must be so relieved that he gets some sort of, you know, well, relief from, from these teeth <laughs> that he can get his, his mouth open like that. Just let him droop, you know? And, uh, yeah, he's very confident. Uh, the old man's tried this before. He doesn't have faith. Uh, I've got nothing to worry about. And so uh, Jerry uh, advances on Peter. And then Peter tries one more time and raises the cross again. And I love how the score gets just the slightest bit angelic, doesn't yeah. it? Like this, ah. <laughs> oh, you got got to love yourself a good angelic choir. <laughs> And yes, uh, this is, uh, I, I copied it from the script here. It says, and then it happens. The vampire jerks to a halt, staring with slowly dawning fury at Peter, realizing by whatever invisible force that it emanating from that cross that indeed Peter has recovered his faith. So, uh-oh. <laughs> now that that language of of recovering his faith, mm-hmm. when did Peter lose it exactly? Or rather, maybe put it put it this way: When did he have it and then lose it in order to recover it? Yeah, I, I you know thinking about this too hard as we in the minute by minute community do, uh, you just start to go, okay, so was, is Peter now say like he believes in God and now, now this is going to work again? Uh, or is it just, I mean, cause to me as you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I, go ahead. Why, why, why would Peter ever have reason to doubt in the power of the cross? He saw what it did to evil Ed. He saw that it repelled, um, uh, Amy and yeah, you, now it, it fails against Jerry. So you know, there's this you know weird like okay, well of all you know like faith is this subjective belief. He see the seen the effect it has on these other two vampires. That would only boost my confidence that okay, yeah, this is gonna work. All right, I'm gonna get this guy. <laughs> and and there's and for me, I I don't know where this surge of faith comes from. There's no prayer. There's no uh, hint of you know, divine assurance. Like, you know, there, there's no run 
Luke, run, you know, nothing like that to, <laughs> right. to prompt this sudden confidence. You know, it reminds me of, of the song from The Sound of Music. I have confidence and confidence alone. <laughs> I have confidence in me. <laughs> have you seen The Last Dragon? I have not seen The Last Dragon. Well, I think this is now the, the third or fourth movie that you said, have you seen X? I'm like, no, I haven't seen X. Well, I, I, obviously, I feel very deficient in my movie watching after being on this show. I highly recommend it. There, there is a moment at the end of the movie where the uh, Shonuff, the Shogun of Harlem, is plunging our hero, Bruce Leroy's head into a barrel full of water and screaming at him because he's always been... You know, he's always been kind of uh, uh, afraid of Bruce Leroy because he wants to be the Shogun of Harlem. He wants to be the big man. And the one person that everybody thinks can kick his butt is Bruce Leroy. And so he's finally bested him, and he's smashing his head into this barrel full of water, and he's screaming, Who's the master? Who's the master? And suddenly, uh, uh, Bruce comes up and he uh, stops his fist in his hand and then Bruce just starts glowing orange <laughs> and he says I am <laughs> and that's when uh, that's when uh, the uh, show enough starts really losing the fight so I almost like start thinking about that movie I, that nobody else has here seen but <laughs> uh, you know like just suddenly he's got the he's he's I don't know it's the confidence he's got uh, or he's just I, I don't know I, I'm not it's, quite it's, sure it's one of those that's like in the the most perilous moment I think all men whether you believe or not call on God right right right, right. and I think that's it's kind of a play on that it's that it's time to poop or get off the pot <laughs> I wouldn't normally say poop father and, uh, <laughs> it's all right my son I forgive you <laughs> I think it's just I think that's I mean we could analyze it to death but I think we that's have what it, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what it's supposed to be it's just it, it's time for Peter to to do it or do don't, and he does. It, it certainly does feel like the last throw of a dice, uh, a hail mary, if you will. Yeah. Where he's, he's. Yeah. This is all he has. It's just the cross that is separating him from certain death, uh, and it's the only thing that's going to give him a chance to put that stake in him. But I love how like Peter has that confident look on his face, that slight smile, that determination that it's going to work this time. I, I don't know. I, I like a knowing look. You know. Yeah. Um, it, and it, it's like he just knows it. it he's filled with it, you know? I I have no idea. Maybe he's well, hearing... There, there is that little smile that we cut to after it starts working, like, oh, I can't believe I'm getting away with this. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know, it's just such a such a great movie moment in this movie that uh, again, I'm, I'm so glad you could join us for. <laughs> but uh, we do have to move on to talk about huh. bats here, unless we have anything more to talk about. Uh, have we beaten this conversation to death yet? Or uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> did you have anything more to, to, to say about it, Father? I I I just uh, wow. Is it, is it... Uh, no, I I think I think we can move on to uh, to the bells, the bells. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Jerry is frozen. He he starts gasping and snarling, and uh, Peter just kind of like holds the cross very powerfully towards him. And uh, Jerry does start to cringe and raise his hand lamely. Uh, And, yeah, again, Peter just seems to swoon in this moment, you know? Just, ah, yes. Um, You know, the one last thing I'll say about this, (laughs) and I swear I won't talk about this anymore. Um, 
So Peter's used to cross on Ed, and this is just this is just coming to me as we're looking at the the scene on the screen. Peter's used to cross on Ed, and he's a newbie vampire, and same on Amy, newbie vampire. Um, right. He's used he's used it on Jerry. It hasn't worked. You have to have faith. Yada yada. Now we have the sun coming up from behind Jerry. Perhaps maybe the sun could be, uh, you know, reducing his powers and he's not realizing it. Now the cross, which, you know, might have sort of worked on him before. Now it really works. Could be. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's the last thing I really, last observation I have about it. <laughs> All right. So we're definitely in the 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 rosy fingered dawn uh here where we're not quite full sunrise but the sun is pretty close to coming up so eh, there may be something to that. And yeah, red sky at morn. I mean, sailors better watch out, you know, if they go <laughs> <laughs> So suddenly all the clocks start ringing six o'clock. And uh, according to the novelization of the book, or uh, novelization Ooh. of the book, of the movie. <laughs> I love uh, novelizations of books. It's, there are always too many words in the first half, so you always got to have a novelization to really tighten things up. <laughs> uh, Charlie actually arrived at Dandridge's house at 2 a.m., so which means all the stuff that happened between uh, Peter and Charlie first arriving into the house uh, and this point is it's been four hours long. <laughs> Holy smokes! That's a that's a lot of going to check on Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, Peter gets even more cocky here. You know, he just looks around at all the clocks ringing. It's like yay! It's like he's run out of time. You know. And uh, and then just I'm wondering about this behavior here. Jerry just starts looking around crazily. <laughs> is he is he Jerry needs to invest in a wristwatch? That's what he needs. He shouldn't be this surprised. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Is he, is he just like is he that afraid of sunlight that he doesn't like turn into a bat like immediately and get the heck out of there? It, it's it's just so funny how it's like he just stands there. This it, it, he realizes it's six. This is bedtime. <laughs> Usually, and uh, uh, he's out of time, and uh, you know he just stands there and looks around crazily rather yeah. than immediately going. Uh, I do, I do love six a.m. as as the 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 hour of of drama here because uh, six o'clock in uh, the Catholic tradition is the first hour in which the Angelus is prayed. So the Angelus is a prayer. Um, uh, honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary, recalling the message of the angel announcing the birth of Christ to her, and it was a prayer that was marked by the ringing of bells at 6 a.m., at 12 noon, and at 6 p.m., and in the Middle Ages, that was done as a way to unite everyone in prayer, no matter if you were out in the fields or in town, you would hear the church bells, everyone would stop and say that prayer together, and uh, it's, it's reminiscent of uh, Fantasia, uh, where you have you know night on bald mountain, you have all the the demons yeah. and goblins and skeletons coming out and, and cavorting, and then what we what we miss when you're not watching the movie is that right after that you have the singing of Schubert's Ave Maria as as dawn breaks. So again, that 6 a.m. hour is that hour of hope, that hour of new light, that hour of the coming of the day when all dark and noisome things are driven away. Mm-hmm. It's it, and it, and it is funny that it's like it's it's just six a.m. on the dot, you know. That's <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
And I, I do love that the cuckoo is the last thing we, last one we hear, just like a single cuckoo <laughs> at the end. <laughs> uh, you mentioned it earlier while we were reviewing the minute before we started, but it for sure is reminiscent of another movie from the same year. Just oh yes. sort of scene, yeah, Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm late for school. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just love this. Peter and Charlie so happy, and they just they just they look at him like, what what's he gonna do? What is he gonna do? And because uh, uh, he's freaking out, he's having a panic attack. Jerry is. Yeah, looks like he's about to cry. He, You're gonna cry, you vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter tells him he's out of time. Look over your shoulder. And Jerry looks over his shoulder and sees the beginnings of sunrise. And um, yeah, <laughs> this is again in my notes. I wrote uh, "Red Sky at Morn, Sailors Be Warned." And then I wrote an inner thought for Charlie, going, "Dad would be proud." And I'm not gonna explain why. I said that i'll do i'll do it off the recording because people are sick and tired of hearing about it but we have a theory about charlie's dad uh that that uh i, I won't waste uh, our listeners time by explaining yet again but <laughs> all right so we have this nice effect of the sun uh hitting the broken glass and causing kind of a prism effect to hit jerry's shoulder yeah, like a laser beam yeah no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jerry suddenly darts off to his left, and to Peter's surprise, he flies over the banister like a superhero and transforms into a bat in midair. Yeah. This is a cool transformation sequence. Yeah. Now, is, is that shadow hand-drawn and animated? I've got all... I would say it'd have to be. That, that's the way it looks, but... I've got all sorts of uh, trivia for you guys. Oh, I, I, this is Robin Reed's time, but I will say that this movie proves that every time a bell rings, a vampire gets the swings. Boo! <laughs> boo! <laughs> boo this man! <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> you swine! Boo! Boo! But, uh, so, Cineffect magazine here, uh, I definitely want to cite, you know, these, uh, says, uh, Richard Edlund, head of the FX team, says, Fright Night's effects are basically a series of transformation shots. What generally happens when you turn a man into a bat is that the film is going along and suddenly there's a transition where you detach yourself from the movie and want to watch the change. The problem with that, of course, is that the audience immediately gets out their magnifying glass. They must be thinking 30 years ahead of this podcast, but... <laughs> If the transformation is not done peerlessly and un- or unexpectedly, then the drama is stopped short and the effect is invariably a failure. So, yeah, Edlund, along with John Bruno, designed a transformation shot so fast and smooth as to almost be a throwaway. Uh, Bruno says... We tried to think as simply and economically as possible when designing the shot. So we came up with the idea of having Chris Sarandon's stunt double leap off the balcony and then pan off him to see the transformation happen as an animated shadow on the wall. To shoot the effect, Chris Sarandon's stunt double was suspended on wires in front of a blue screen. Because the set was not large enough to accommodate the camera move, a 25-foot-long miniature was constructed to simulate 150 feet of real wall space in Jerry's home, and it was shot as a background plate. The final transformation wow. was achieved by animator Sean Newton, who rotoscoped the stuntman's shadow into a flapping bat. Uh, animation supervisor Terry Wendell says, It was a difficult piece of animation because of the transformation and because of the as 
as the shadow flits across the wall, it's interrupted by beams, doors, plants, and things. So it had to contort to those shapes in order to look realistic. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's just like that one moment. It's like so much work went right into that. That just just the shadow alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, uh, the the what they said about the transformation sequence being this moment of disconnect from the drama, where all of a sudden it becomes this set piece within the horror movie itself. The first yeah. thing that I thought of while you were reading that about how okay, we have to treat this carefully, otherwise people get out their magnifying glasses. It, it it's that seems to be the moment we're going through with superhero movies right now, mm-hmm. where the big CGI set pieces at the end of the movie kind of stop the drama. They, they kind of stop the story in order to show off all this technical prowess, but it's, it's kind of universally agreed to be the, the least interesting part of a superhero movie is the big punch em up at the end. And so I, I love the awareness of the effects designers here to do something economically and simply almost as a throwaway to, to make it more seamlessly part of the story of the movie. Right. Yeah. And like, like you said, like we've seen so many transformation effects. There's this the movie is a series of them, but like right. not everything has to be this huge physical uh, melting wax kind of stuff, kind of thing. <laughs> we can just cut away to a really quick animation, and yeah. you know, it's even a throwback to the old Universal monsters when Bella Lugosi would turn into a, a bat. Like he would just all of a sudden be quickly turned into like an animation of Bella Lugosi or right. Dracula, and turn go whoop right into a bat and. And, uh, yeah. you know, that was animation as well. So, yeah. And, and props to the animators for being such craftsmen to take into account the beams and the plants and the lighting and all the yeah. rest of the background plate changes. Wow. That's I'd never that's even thought really of something. That. Oh, man. And, and, yeah. And the fact that they built they built a whole miniature like model to actually just do the whole shot on rather than uh, because they, they needed so much of that wall space to really pull it off. Yeah, that's so what, cool. It's what it, it's what you had to do. Yeah. Had to make a thing. Um, <laughs> well, that's all I have for minute 94. 94. And 94. Uh, <laughs> did you have anything else? Nothing from my <laughs> end. <laughs> Not I. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Father David, thank you again for being here on this minute 94. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, uh, would you uh, like to come back for uh, one more one more night with us? I I think I can spare one more night. Uh, okay. I've got some confessions that I think I, I need to hear uh, tomorrow, but oh. uh, we'll see if we can speed those sinners <laughs> along before uh, before we can get down to some some good honest to goodness good versus evil action. Oh, thank goodness! I, for for a second, I thought he meant up. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was going to make us confess. <laughs> I, was, I was a little worried. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think it's time to put a stake in this one. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Men. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Batboy. Look over your shoulder. You're out of time, listeners. <laughs> Tune in next time. Same bat time, same bat podcast. <laughs> He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs>